Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. I'm glad to see you today, and we're going to close out today our series that we've been in, which is Pursuing and Seeking God. This is our fourth week. Everybody say fourth week. So that tells you how many you've missed if you haven't been here all four. And I've been preaching on pursuing and seeking God. And there's a heavenly desire from our Father in heaven that we would all seek Him as, as children of God. You know, there's one thing I know about our Heavenly Father, and I've, been, I've known this since I came on as a believer a few years ago in my 20s, but our Lord is a gentleman. He will never force you to come to church. He will never force you to worship Him. He'll never force you to pray. He'll never force you to go and ask somebody, I'm sorry, to ask for forgiveness. God is a gentleman. And, and so for that reason, I know that His greatest desire is for you and I to seek Him. But know this, church, He will never force you to do that. He wants you to willingly come, willingly obey, and just say, Lord, here I am. I'm a mess, but here I am. That's all he wants. Because with a mess, he can take that and make a message, amen? And, and on and on and on. And so there's some things in our life that are worth pursuing, and that relationship is one, which is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. doesn't matter what you've done, because I've heard people say this, you don't know what I've done, Pastor Rick. You don't know where I've been. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everybody has a past. Say that with me. Everybody has a past. Everybody has a past. You and I are not perfect. And because of that, we serve a great and merciful God that loves us and is willing to forgive us as long as we pursue and seek Him. Amen? So today, as I finish up this series on pursuing God, I've titled this sermon, Ready, Set, Go. And you'll see what I mean by the time I get to the end of this. But let, let's go back to when you first became believers, and I'll kind of relay that to what I experienced. But how many of you would say that when you first became a believer in Christ, that you were learning stuff you had never heard before? Anybody? Or was that just me? Okay, because I didn't get raised in this. I wasn't going to church and hearing the gospel proclaimed on Sundays. I didn't know what small groups were, connect groups were. I didn't know what Sunday school was. All that was a foreign language to me. I didn't know what the book of the Philippines were. I, I didn't know any of that. And, or Genesis or the rapture. Never heard of the rapture. I, I had no idea what that was. All the way into my 20s. Never heard of that stuff. So when we first became a believer, my point in saying that is you begin to learn and hear things that are in the Word of God. Now, here's what I always say. If it's not in the Word of God... Well, then you can just, you know, go with a grain of salt, measure, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But if it's in the Word of God, it's the Word of God. There's a difference, amen? If I say something to you here, that might be Pastor Rick talking, but if I'm declaring something from the Word of God, know that that's the Word of God. There's a difference, amen? So when I was a believer, when I first came to the knowledge of who Christ was, received of Him as my Lord and Savior, I had such a hunger, desire, I couldn't get enough. 
If there was a Wednesday night Bible study, I was there. If there was a Friday night Bible study, I was there. If there was a Sunday night, Sunday service, I was there. And I couldn't get enough. I was a sponge. I was just soaking it up. And one of the things I've always been able to do, which has helped me, is I have a good memory with numbers. I'm good with numbers. In fact, I could give you my Social Security, my checking account number, my routing number, because they're all up here. I still remember the license plate numbers of my parents' cars when I was a kid. They just stick in here. Baseball trivia came easy to me. I knew all those numbers, records. I still remember them. And when I became a believer, you know, scriptures like John 3.16, I could remember those right away. I read them, and they stuck in here. Now, as I've gotten older, I still remember them. And I know one day, that day's coming when... I'm going to be going like, where was that in the Bible? Where was that? I'm going to have to Google it or something. And see, back in the day, we didn't have Google. We just had the Bible. We had to go search for it. Nowadays, all these young people, these scholars, these Bible theologians, they're, they're all caught up in Google and YouTube because it helps them, right? We had, to, we had to do it the hard way. But we had to really dig in to the Word of God. That's my point. And I learned so much, in, especially in those first six months of my walk with the Lord, reading the Word of God for the very first time and learning and absorbing. I was just being taught, taught. I wasn't doing anything. I was just being taught. Now, let's, let's look at the disciples of Christ. For three years, they sat under his teaching for three years, learning at the feet of Jesus. I mean, when I went to Israel a few years back, and then I saw the Sea of Galilee, and I went to Jerusalem, and I could just imagine the disciples on the sea in a boat being taught by Jesus. And I, I could just picture myself, man, wouldn't that have been so great to just be sitting there? Yeah, Jesus, tell me more. Yeah, don't stop. Tell me another parable, Jesus. I want to hear another one and another one. And so all those things that we see in the Bible, the disciples were just being taught for three years. See, when you're taught something, you also have to catch it. You're taught and it's caught is hopefully what you're getting today. You're being taught something and hopefully it's being caught, caught in here, caught in your heart. They say, the sad statistic is that 90% of what I say or any preacher says will be gone within three days. That's the stat that they say. So please listen, please write notes. I gave you outlines, you have outlines today. And so that you can grow and catch something. Amen? So these disciples were being taught important lessons about the kingdom of God. Something that was going to equip them for the future. You don't know today what message you might hear that is equipping you for something down the road. You don't know what you might face yourself or, or be facing so for, for Jesus, three years of preparing these disciples, he was teaching them. He was preparing them. Preparing them for what? To go out into a lost and dying world, to preach to the lost, to heal the sick, to deliver the oppressed. And at this point, again, for three years, the disciples had only been observing. They went wherever Jesus went. I mean, and when you read the Gospels, when you read the parables, there was fear. They had fear. Lord, calm the, calm the waves and, and all this fear because they were only learning. They were just receiving. They weren't out there actually doing 
which we're going to get to, because soon they would be sent to a lost and dying world. And there comes a point in our spiritual journey, our spiritual walk with Christ, that it's not just time to be a learner, but to be a doer. Everybody say a doer. I'm not going to get into that scripture found in James, the book of James, where it says not to be a hearer only, but to be a doer. But Jesus was preparing his disciples to be doers. You see, the wonderful thing about the Word of God, and you've all experienced this, you can read a scripture today that will impact you in a certain way. A year from now, you can read that very same scripture because you're going through something else, another challenge, a new trial. It'll speak to you in a completely different way. That's how God's word works. It's alive and it speaks to you. So when you don't read your word, you're cheating yourself. You're, you're, you're losing out on what God wants to speak to you for that day and for that season. So again, I encourage you, Let's, let's learn. Let's go on this journey together. Continue to learn. But ready, set, go. Here we go. So the sermon text for today is found in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. One simple verse I want to read to you today. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. And it says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Let me pray one more time. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. We pray for your anointing, that we would have ears to hear your word, that, Lord, we would be doers of your word and not hearers only. And we pray that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. If you read the beginning of this chapter, of chapter 10 of Matthew, Jesus is commissioning his disciples to go out into the world. He's, he's giving them authority to go out into the world, to cast out impure spirits, to heal the sick and every disease. Amen? The disciples have been given this authority by Jesus. And I want to tell you today that your name doesn't have to be Peter, James, or John to be able to do exactly what they did. In fact, there's the scripture, and I'm, I'm not going to reference that here, but there's a scripture in the Word of God that says, greater works than these shall you do. Greater works than these shall you do. What are these? The miracles that took place in the Gospels. The scriptures say, greater works shall you do than these. And here, we don't believe that sometimes. I think our Western world, the, the Western, the, I'm talking about the United States, this group of people, because when you go into other nations, faith rises, faith rises, and, and people here aren't believing for supernatural acts of God, for miracles to take place. How great is our faith, amen? How great is our faith? Jesus had given them authority, the disciples, as well as you and I. But here's what I want to focus in on this afternoon Anytime there's a work of God, a supernatural act of God, you better believe that there's going to be opposition. There's going to be opposition. For example, every single time, and you know our church has done an annual missions trip to Mexico every year. The last couple of years we've kind of been shut down, but we've still been contributing monies to that. And so every time we've had one, when we've gone down, we've had issues, either 
raising the funds or uh, having, we, we donate thousands of shoes for those of you that haven't, don't, aren't aware, uh, brand new shoes to, to really the lowest poor society down there in Tijuana, Mexico. We go down there and feed them and clothe them and, and give them brand new shoes. Some of the shoes that they wear are tattered. They're, they're, they shouldn't even be wearing them. So we give them to them. Uh, sometimes we've had these shoes. We buy them on this end. They've been held up at the border for more money. They, they want money. The opposition jumps in, and they hold them kidnap. So we learned our lesson and started buying them down there on that side. But then something else will come up. Opposition always comes up when there's a work of God at, at place. Amen? And, and you've seen that in your life, possibly. If you think, just because you became a believer in Christ, that all your problems were going to go away, all your issues were going to disappear, you're sadly mistaken. Can I just go like this? This is my pin. Just burst your bubble right there. Because that's not real life. Life is, we're going to experience. In fact, I would tell you this. If you become a believer, you're going to have more trials in your life. You're going to face more opposition in your life. I, I believe I've seen that in my life, and I believe I know why, though. Because the Lord is, is wanting you to trust Him to take care of you. And we're going to get into that. But He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's what I want to convey to you this afternoon. Our God walks with us through every trial, every relationship, every physical ailment, every loss of life. He walks with you through those circumstances. You are not alone. Amen? And that's, that's one thing that you should always remind yourself. I am a child of the King. I walk with Him. He is my God. He is my Lord. Everywhere I go, He goes before me. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to talk to you about three quick points this afternoon. By the way, did I mention we're going to have, we have pizza afterwards if you want to hang out after service. There's going to be pizza afterwards, so just uh, get your tummies ready for that if, you, if you're in the mood for that. First point today is, I'm ready. Say that with me. I'm ready. I'm ready. Now, if you're a man here today and if you are married, you know those are wonderful words to hear. I'm ready, dear. Yes. Because those words, we, us men, we yearn. We yearn to hear those words. We, we long to hear those words because we're already ready. We're just waiting for them to be ready. Amen? How many know what I'm talking about today? Amen. And all the men said amen. <laughs> so, I'm ready. The very first part of the scripture verse declares, I am sending you. I am sending you. Notice this. He didn't say, I'm sending your neighbor. He didn't say, I'm sending that person because they're better looking. Or I'm sending this one because he can communicate better. Or this one because they can sing better. No, he said, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. God wants to send each of us. The question is, are you ready? You've been learning. We learn so much here. In this, in this great country that we live in, you can turn on a radio and listen to the gospel message. You can turn on YouTube and watch a great gospel message. You can listen to a podcast. You have Bible apps. You have literal physical hard copy Bibles to read from. 
We are blessed in this country. American Canyon, I believe, has about eight churches here that you can pick and choose from. We are blessed. We're constantly learning, but are we doing? Are we doing? So Jesus said, I am sending you. First of all, he's, he's sending us, but he's also letting us know he's in charge. He is in preeminence, in the order of preeminence. It's first him, then it's your spouse, your children, your job, and so forth. If you have any of those mixed up, blessings don't flow. Blessings don't flow that way. If you have your children above God, if you have your spouse above God, if you have your car above God, your job above God, it will not be a good day in the neighborhood for you. Amen? God wants to be first in your life. And so Jesus is saying, I'm the one in charge. I'm sending you. I'm the Savior. And remember this. He's God. And I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him, you're not God. <laughs> you're not God. Amen. Just in case any of you thought so. All right? You're not God. Jesus has given you and I the authority to go out just like his disciples into this world. You know, one of the things that I see when, how many here have been to a football game? Maybe a baseball game, a basketball game, some sporting event, right? This is what I never see. Fans with their hands under their legs just rooting for their team. No, they're, go Niners! Touchdown Niners! Or whatever it is. They're rooting for their team. Jesus doesn't want you to sit on the bleachers just observing. He said, go. He said, go. Go out into this world. We are to be engaged. We are, we are already prepared. We've already learned at the master's feet what to do. What do I do, Pastor? Pray. You know, there's people as we get older. Well, I can't. I can't do this and I can't do that. But you can do the most awesome privilege that we have, which is to pray. That's the number one thing that we can do is pray. You may not be able to rebuild a home for someone or climb on a roof for somebody or fix a leaking roof, but you can pray. You can pray. Amen? I'll share this again. I, I believe that when I first got saved in my, in my 20s, my mid-20s, because I was a sponge I, and I was reading the Word of God and I started to look around and I realized, how come not everybody else has the same passion I had? I, I had a passion, but I would see people didn't have, some did, and, but most of the people I saw didn't have that passion. And what that was, was God was already calling me back then, said, I have another road for you, which I ran from for many years. I didn't want to have nothing to do with it. I ran from the call of God. I didn't want it, but yet I knew he put it in here. And I ran from it for various reasons, but God, God equips the called. Sometimes we're afraid to do something because we don't feel equipped. Well, Lord, I'm not a good speaker. Lord, I'm not this or I'm not that. But don't forget, church, God will equip you to do the task at hand. Amen? If he sent you to go, he's going to equip you. Amen. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8 regarding what the, the commissioning of the disciples and what he was telling the disciples to go out and do. Listen to these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8. 
Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now we hear that, we read that, and we think, well, that was just for the times of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, no, it's still today. It applies today. If you have and see a need like that, go pray for them. Ask them if you can pray for them. Lay hands on them. Amen? Because the God that we believe in can raise somebody up and heal them. Amen? You and I have been called for a time such as this, 2022. I mean, that sounds like star date 2022, right? It seems like, uh, you know, I used to think of 2022, thought we'd never get here. But here we are, 2022. And there's so many things going on in our world. The homelessness, the drug addiction, the alcohol addiction, all the addictions that are out there, people bound by spirits. You and I have been called into this time and age and, and this era in fact, every one of you have influence. What I mean by that is tomorrow you will go into your own lives. You will deal with people that you deal with, that you see every day, that I will never see, that nobody else most likely will, will never see. God has said, go and minister to those people that are in your circle of influence. You see, if we all did that, amazing, I think amazing things would begin to happen. The world would begin to turn around. We would have revival in this land if people were reached, if people had a heart to just want to reach out to the lost and hurting because they're all around us. In fact, one of the things I pray on a daily basis is, Lord, put people in my path that I can minister to, that I can encourage, that I can pray for. I pray that all the time. And, and sometimes they'll put them right smack dab right in front of my face. Um, and, and oftentimes I'm driving to the store, especially when I go to Walmart. I see them all. You knew that was coming. But God has a purpose and a plan for each of us. Amen? You and I have been called into this battle for such a time as this. Say this with me. I'm ready. I'm ready. Amen. I love to hear that. I'm ready. Amen. The second point this afternoon is, I need the shepherd. Say that with me as well. I need the shepherd. You know, God wants to make sure that you and I understand that you aren't God. You see, if you go to the book of Isaiah chapter 11, and we won't go there, it's not part of the sermon, but there's five instances where the devil says, Satan says, I will do this, I will do that, I will do this. Five different times he says that, because he was trying to surpass God Almighty. He thought he could be greater than God. Silly, silly thought right there. Don't ever think that you can be greater than the God that created you. Than the God that created this message. Amen? So we need the shepherd. And here's where it kind of gets funny. Or I used to think it was funny when I first became a believer. We notice that in scripture, the word of God compares us to sheep. Word of God compares this. Now, when I first thought about that, I thought, Lord, you created all these wonderful animals. Why didn't you compare me to an eagle, to, to a bear, to a lion, to a horse? But no, you compared me to a sheep? But the misconception with sheep that I heard growing up, and maybe you've heard this too, is that sheep are dumb. 
That's not accurate. Let me, let me share with you what, uh, what Google says about sheep, okay? Because we know everything that's on Google is 100% correct. But sheep are similar to people in many ways. Number one, sheep are incredibly caring mothers and form deep bonds with their babies. That's, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Number two, sh- despite the popular belief that sheep are dumb, they are actually incredibly intelligent. They have very impressive cognitive ability. And just like humans, they form deep and lasting bonds with each other. They stick up for one another in fights. And they grieve when they lose a friend. Did you know that? That's amazing. And they experience all the same emotions that we do, including fear, joy, boredom, anger, and happiness, to list a few. I mean, that's amazing. I didn't know any of those things about sheep. I thought they were just dumb animals because that's what I've heard. And so when I would hear that sheep, you know, that word compared to sheep, I was, well, wait a minute, time out, God. Why, why is that? But now it makes a little bit more sense now that we know how sheep really are. Amen? And also, the third and last thing about sheep is, in addition to being incredibly smart, they also have wonderful memories. Did you know that about sheep? They recognize faces, they say. They recognize many, many faces. People, I'm talking about humans, as well as their own kind. That's like you and I. For most of us, we have good memories still. For some of us, I should say. Or maybe not all of us, okay? Now, while sheep have these wonderful traits as animals, they don't have any type of defensive weapon. You know, we know cheetahs can run fast. We know a lion can tear apart their prey because they're, they're vicious as the king of the jungle. But sheep have no defensive weapon. That's why their total reliance is on the shepherd. Who is watching over them? Who is taking care of them? And the Lord is conveying that to us when he refers to us as sheep, that you and I must have total reliance on him. If you believe you can do it, you're in trouble already. If you believe you can get the job done without his help, you're in trouble already. I don't know about you, but if God says, just involve me, you know, Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these blessings will be yours. If he says I can do that, and my life can be blessed, sign me up, Lord. Where do I sign up? That's what he wants from each of us. He wants us to be like sheep, have total dependence on the Lord Almighty. So whatever it is that you're going through right now, whatever it is, each of us here come from different walks of life, I know some of your stories, what what you're battling and so forth. God walks with you and he wants to remind you today, he is your shepherd and will not leave you alone today. Amen? Amen. The Lord is also conveying in the scripture our need to be obedient and humble like sheep. That's one of the things that they're, they're known for is their obedience Uh, sheep and their humbleness as animals the lord wants you and i to become humble and obedient but how many know that takes the lord that takes the lord because sometimes our pride gets in the sometimes our ego gets in the way sometimes well you don't know what they said pastor you don't know what they did and the lord is saying let go 
and let God. Amen? Amen. We need to be obedient and humble. John chapter 10 and verse 14. Listen to this, the word of God that Jesus, here he declares, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You see, Jesus knows what you're going through today. He knows you. He knows what you were facing this morning as you woke up. He knows what's on your mind right now. He knows what you're facing this week and next month and the challenges that you're having to face. He knows that. All he wants for you to do is just to continue to seek him, pursue him, be humble and obedient before him. And amen this afternoon. So say this with me. I need the shepherd. I need the shepherd in all of my life's doings. My, la- my last point, my third point here this afternoon is wise and innocent. Wise and innocent. Genesis chapter 3, if you look in the very beginning of your Bible, the very first book, I learned real quickly early on it was not Genesis. It was Genesis. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the Lord says here, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Just that one verse I want to take a look at. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Can you put back the, the sermon text on the screen? And let's take a look at that. Notice here in verse 16, the last part of that sentence. So be wise as that you don't even know they're there sometimes. The Lord wants us to be subtle like that. See, if they were barking, we know they'd be there. If they were hissing like a cat, we could hear them, but they usually are not doing any of that. They're avoiding detection. The question is, why are we, or why should we be like a serpent or a snake? Well, I believe that the Lord is telling us as believers that this world that we live in is a dangerous world. It's It's a dangerous world without Christ, and it's still a dangerous world with Christ. There is still sin in this world, and it's everywhere around us. Amen? You will have enemies and those that attempt to destroy your life, those that try to slander you, talk bad about you, say evil things about you. Amen? And those people exist. Therefore, the Lord is telling us, be wise, be crafty, be subtle. Don't be out there living a life of ill repute or doing things that the Lord is going to be going, now why are they doing that? Live your life. That would bring him glory and honor in all the things that you do. Amen? Don't live your life or give any reason to bring on persecution or accusation in your life. And be innocent as doves. This is the part I want to focus on because I like that part better. Be innocent as doves. The doves are a reflection, a reminder of the Holy Spirit. They're symbolic of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. We know that when Jesus was baptized, a dove fell down, uh, or the Spirit of God fell like a dove upon him. And here this word in the, in the Hebrew, the word innocent means unmixed, unmixed. So what, what he's saying is our motives and actions should be unmixed. In other words, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do something because we're going to get this. 
You know how when we were kids, we were all nice to our parents, so we'd get a nice present for Christmas or for our birthday, right? Don't do that. Don't be like that. Just do because you want to do that out of a good heart, out of a good conscience. Amen? Your motives should be pure. And you should be blameless in all your actions is what the Lord is saying. Be as harmless and innocent as a dove. Now, in closing, and I, I told you it was going to be a quick, quick message today, but Jesus tells us that when you go on a mission, you will expect or you should expect opposition. And that opposition can be very strong. And even though you can expect opposition, I want to remind you this. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. I would hope that there were people here that, that because you're a child of the king, you're believers, that you trust in God, that fear is not holding you back. Fear is not holding you back. Fear has no place in the life of a believer. We cast out fear. We spit it out. We, we, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. We have no room for fear in our life. Amen? Jesus wants you to expect opposition, but the, at the same time, because he is your shepherd, he's going to guide you. He's going to lead you to green pastures. He's going to lead you to the calm places, to the water, to soothe your soul. He's going to be your strength. Amen? Fear God and nothing else. Only have a holy fear for God, a reverence for God. But fear nothing else. You've heard boxers say, I fear no man. Yeah, well, that, that gets old. At some point, they'll fear a man. But never fear. Fear God. Respect him. Respect him. Amen? But don't fear anything else. God walks with you. Amen? So as, as believers, we should expect opposition. But God is with us. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. I remember, you know, as a young person, as a 19-year-old, and I've shared that story before here, uh, when I first met Larry Hamilton. And I was 19, and we had a night job together. And I was working at a winery, and he was working as a janitor. And so we would take our meal breaks together. And we met in the lunchroom, and... He was a devout believer, and I was not. I had nothing to do with Christ at that time, was living the total opposite, and he, we would sit down, and then he'd always open up his Bible because it was just me and him and a security guard that would walk by every now and then. And then he'd share the gospel and say, Hey, Rick, what, what do you think about this? And it was his way to try to engage. And i say, Hey, Larry, that's not for me, man. That's good. You like the Bible? You, you go for it, man. Knock yourself out. And he would began to do this every night. And, it, and I was trying to be nice to him. So finally, I got fed up with him. And I just said, Larry, and I cussed him out. And I said, I don't want to hear your blankety-blank stuff. Keep it to yourself. He never shared again with me. But at the age of 19, I wasn't in the place. It was not my season to receive from Christ. But what I didn't know was the Lord planted a seed through Larry. He planted a seed in here that about five years later, all of a sudden, God came knocking on my door right there. And that seed was starting to blossom because I was hungry for God. I was saying, Lord, you got to show yourself real. I, I need to know that you're real. And uh, up until that time, I had never sought God, never read a Bible. never. I didn't know John 3.16 existed. I didn't. I didn't know any of the Bible. So 
why I'm saying that is, I was opposition to Larry Hamilton. He was doing, he, he went out ready, set, go, and he was sharing the gospel with his coworker or somebody that he worked with. And here I was telling him no. In fact, I ended up giving him some bad words and he never shared again. Until one day when I reached out to him on Facebook, I'm now a pastor, and I reached out, out to him on Facebook and said, Larry, I want to apologize to you for what I said back then. And then shortly after that, he came to visit our church when we were meeting at the school. And when he showed up, I lost it. I saw him. And I just lost it. And it was, I was a mess. He was a mess because he was so proud to be able to see that. And I told him what you planted just by sharing that word, even though I told you I didn't want to hear it. Look at us now. My mom and dad are saved. My sisters are saved. My brother's saved. My daughters are walking with Christ. I mean, is God good or what? And so, amen. Give him, give him a hand clap. The Lord is worthy of our praise. Amen. So again, I say that just to say that expect opposition. It doesn't come easy, just even in sharing a simple word of encouragement. Some people will receive it, and others won't. But don't stop. Don't let it discourage you, amen? See, we're all part of the same lost and hurting world out here. So many people dying. This week, we knew someone that passed away of fentanyl, drug overdose. My best friend from high school is still out on the streets, you know, hooked on meth. And I don't know how many more months or years left he has, but it's a lost and hurting world. People need Jesus. The people in your circle of influence need you. They need you to encourage them, to pray for them. One of the things I always ask somebody that comes here for the very first time is, what's your number one prayer? I would encourage you to ask that of people. You know, they don't know you, but you can always ask them, what's your number one prayer? How could I pray for you? And they'll usually open up and, and tell you. And that's a good way to pray for somebody. Amen? So as we close today, if you will stand. How many receive this today? How many want to just go out there, ready, set, go into this world and do what the Lord has called us to do, to share the word of God with each other? See, if you don't share that word, nobody will. God has possibly called you, you, to share that word to that individual, just like God called Larry Hamilton to share the word of God to me. Up until that time, and even after that time, I had nobody share the word of God. Nobody gave me no tracts. Nobody prayed for me for five years. Nobody ever prayed for me after that. It was only one person, Larry Hamilton. And today, my prayer would be that you guys would be Larry Hamilton for somebody in their life. Because they need you. They need you today. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, today that you love us. Thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for our life that you sent your son on a cross to die for us. We thank you that you were a God of second chances, third chances, and 70th chances. We thank you for your blood that forgives us, that cleanses us from all sin. We thank you for your healing touch. We thank you for your forgiveness, Lord, today.
We thank you, Lord, for placing us back on the rock, which is you, with our feet to stay. That you have grounded us in you, Lord. We pray today, Father, that we would continue to be wise and innocent. That, Lord, that we would lean on you as our shepherd and that we would be ready to share the gospel message with those around us, with our family members, that we would be quick to forgive and quick to forget. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.